You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I've got a guest joining me today, and we are going to talk about the three most interesting rookies this coming season in the NBA. You are locked on the NBA draft. As always on this Wednesday morning, it is your host, Sam Ferris. You can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. I'm constantly posting stats, my thoughts, clips, uh, everything as it relates to the young guys in the NBA, as well as the guys that are going to be in college and preparing for these next this next draft as well. We're going to be hitting college basketball hard as well when that starts up. Uh, but today we're going to discuss Scotty Barnes. We're going to discuss Josh Giddy and Trey Murphy. And to me, those guys are very interesting as it pertains to their rookie season, what their role is going to be, how they're going to develop. We've come up with questions for each one of them, and those are the guys we're going to be hitting on in the three segments today. But thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft your first listen today. We really appreciate it. And you can get this podcast for free everywhere where you get your podcast from. Um, but without further ado, we're here to talk basketball. And so let me introduce our guest for today. All right, let's welcome in our guest today. It is Buttermilk Jesus. You can follow him on Twitter at Cozy Lido. Uh, how's it going for you, Buttermilk? Are, are you ready for the NBA season to finally get underway here? As excited as ever. Um, I can't remember a draft that I've looked forward to actually see play real NBA minutes um, like this one in a while, um, since at least the 2018 class. So, um, yeah, to say I'm excited is, is putting it shortly. <laughs> For sure. Same here. This is kind of what we do year round. So preparing for these guys to finally play. And then, of course, the new crop to come into college basketball, which we will be discussing a lot on future episodes. But as for today, uh, to kind of lay the foundation for the rest of the episode, it's kind of open ended, kind of nebulous. But the way I've titled this is the kind of three most interesting rookies we're excited to track this season and so buttermilk has given me a couple names and i've added one in here we're going to talk about scotty barnes in the first segment josh giddy in the second and then trey murphy in the final segment some questions we have about them why it is that we're excited to see them play for their teams in the nba this season so without further ado let us jump in now to scotty barnes um so he was one of the names that you suggested, Buttermilk. So right off the bat with him, what is it that you're so intrigued to see with Scotty Barnes this upcoming season? Well, he's just going into a fun context. Um, it was a shocking pick for me at the time, just because I thought Jalen Suggs was pretty much the fourth guy on the board. Um, and just so to see Scotty join a group that already has Pascal Siakam and OGJ and and just a glut of forwards, combo forwards, interesting guys. I was just intrigued to see how this is going to fit. And so far in the preseason, he's really impressed me. Um, yeah. Like Scotty was one of those prospects I wrestled with uh, most as far as feeling confident on my board. I think I ended up with him at 14. Okay. Um, and just because I thought the shooting was just hard for me to really, I don't know, bet on. Um, but so far, I mean, he's making it look 
All right. Like, um, as far as how I view preseason, I don't know how about you, but mm-hmm. I just more, I, I view it as a thing that change, shifts like my confidence by an interval or two, but nothing extreme. Like, I'm not going to make any uh, rewrites to my evaluation uh, just based off this tiny sample. But I mean, as far as being encouraged at flashes, as far as the shooting goes for Scotty, I think it looks smoother to me. Um, he's not really hesitating to take it either. He looks pretty comfortable against contest. And I mean, as far as the questions that we have for Scotty, that was the biggest one. And um, as far as exciting, I mean, he's making it look like it might not be a question in four or five years. So, yeah, I don't know how you're thinking about uh, just the impression of Scotty at first. Yeah, from preseason. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Kind of what I say is if if you're changing your rankings too much based off of preseason, then you're probably just not confident enough in your original rankings, right? It's just a small sample. Yeah. It's not even the regular season. But I still have been very surprised and very, it's been all positive with Scotty Barnes. I've been impressed. Uh, You had him 14th, you said on your board. I had him 8th. I was, you know, maybe a smidge lower than the consensus. And most of that just was the fit with him offensively in the modern NBA. But you hit on it. The, The biggest concern was the shooting. And I know I said, and other people said, like, there's a good chance that that is spot up three point shot becomes good enough that he hits a threshold where, you know, he is respected, he can spot up, he can fit into a modern offense. But I I thought it was unlikely he'd ever really develop a pull-up just based on yeah. kind of what his mechanics looked like and just the effectiveness of his shot through high school and college. And already in preseason, that pull-up looks more smooth than I anticipated. He's already taking and making a couple of them. Uh, he has kind of this little fadeaway when he gets into the lane. Yep. And he, he he's just looked pretty comfortable taking pull-ups. So someone came at me because I, I posted some of his clips of the pull-ups. And someone was like, well, shouldn't he just start by at least making a spot up? And I don't know about you, Buttermilk, but to me, like, I don't care. Like, any type of positive outlook from him on the jump shot is big news. And if this pull-up ends up being something semi-real, then that changes the outlook of his ceiling as a prospect. Yes, especially on ball. I think as far as pull-up shooting, as far as changing the trajectory of like just your on-ball potential, it's a game changer. Um, yeah. But I mean, the big question for me was, for what, he, what is he going to do off-ball, basically, going yeah. into the NBA? And so far, I mean, he's alleviated these concerns as well just by like his exceptional activity of just movement. Um, yeah, There's exactly. more than one way to affect the game off ball. And Scotty does this by making it harder to defend him by just moving constantly, just being well positioned for offensive rebounds, um, just tapping it out to an open Gary Trent Jr. or Spima Kailu. Um, just well-timed cuts into the paint that just put pressure on the defense to react, right? And it's these little things that don't make, like even if he never gets like a spot up three-point shot that's above average um he can still affect the game off ball and to me that's huge considering that um he does everything really well for the most part and i think a big part of the thing that enable him to do all these things really well is the fact that his length has translated as well as it has um as you commented uh those little fadeaway little in the lane runners uh, um they look as good as they do because his arms are as long as they are and contests are just aren't going to affect him as, as nearly as much as if you were much shorter or just as far as his wingspan. Um, and I don't know, for me, I, I'm getting some, and, and the motor too, motor is a huge thing too. As far as the movement goes, um, Scotty's just working constantly, constantly. And 
I, I get some reminiscence of like some Isaiah Stewart lessons that I had last year that I may have not have just fully learned this sack cycle for the same reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Just length, strength, and uh, high motor can really compensate for subpar height, uh, especially in the front court. And yeah, uh, Scotty has those all in stride. So um, I'm reevaluating what I should value <laughs> as far as front court players now. Like, and Scotty's a big reason why. No, definitely. Those are all very good points. And I so, also I would add that uh, just different from college, especially at Florida State, is in the preseason, they're pushing it, they're getting out in transition. And that opens up more for him because, you know, there will be some limitations as a young player in the NBA in the half court. But I've loved what I've seen from him when he gets a steal, when he gets a rebound and he pushes it and finds guys, like you said, on the break. That's kind of where he's going to be at his best. Um, So for each of these prospects, I wrote one or two questions, you know, of what intrigues me, what I want to see from them. That first one we just hit on is, do we see more of these flashes of this jump shot, especially off the bounce? Um, I'm excited to see that. The second one is, you know, if the Raptors are to exceed their expectations this year, Buttermilk, I would say it's more likely that their defense just really surpasses kind of what we'd expect. Like if if we were to see end of the year that there was some aspect of the Raptors that just really surprised us, to me, it, it would be like the Raptors finishing top 10 in defense somehow. And so the way that that could potentially happen, and we've seen these lineups in the preseason, and you hit on it quickly at the beginning of the segment here, is these kind of all switchy lineups that they're running. And this is kind of the guys that they've been drafting and been adding to their roster over the last few years. But if we get some Scotty Barnes with some OG, Precious, Siakam, uh, even guys like Champagny that they drafted in the second round, these are the guys that they've been targeting. And it's pretty clear they have a plan They like to get up and down. They like to switch. They're super long and athletic. And so my question is, you know, will that defense really exceed our expectations? Will these young, all switchy lineups kind of surprise us and just be effective as early as this season? Yeah, I'm wondering what the most synergistic lineup would be for Scotty. I think there are plenty of contexts where he can play small ball five, for instance, depending on who the four is. But they have plenty of, as you said, switchable, just fun hybrid forward types that just can make that versatility happen. Um, like Ken Birch and Chris Boucher, both guys that I think would look really nice as a five next to Scotty Barnes, theoretically. And I'm just really excited to see what that looks like um, in actual NBA basketball. Um and just, yeah, you just have a team that like exemplifies versatility with a prospect that is very, very versatile. And I just think it it's a good synergistic fit. I think Nick Nurse will get the best out of him. I have been really just, I feel more confident with Scotty Barnes evaluation because of this fit. Because um, I think these guys don't really view him as like the pen simmons type point forward or just like a primary ball handler anytime soon I, I, that's not the way they're they've been utilizing him they haven't been in exerting his ball handling to an ex, to any extent to where i'd be worried about that um they're keeping him pretty comfortable in his comfortable zone pushing his boundaries for the most part but just yeah just like experimenting with versatility for the most part and for me i think scotty will find his niche there just by being a sin eater of all types right and just to me the thing I'd be looking forward is just ball skill development. So just seeing that handle clean up a bit because it's not quite refined. It's good enough in transition. It's good enough to, to occasionally just do a little something with the ball in the half court every now and then. Uh, nothing you can really depend on too much at the time at this very moment. 
And just the shooting, as you said, just off ball, off the shoot, um, and off the dribble, just as much as you can get of that. And everything else is gravy. So Scotty's just going to be fun to watch. Yep. To tie it all together with Scotty Barnes, just a couple stats on him. He posted a three to one assist to turnover in the preseason. He also led the Toronto Raptors in both assists per game and assist percentage, which for those of us that have followed Scotty Barnes isn't necessarily that surprising. He, I think he was like behind only Ben Simmons in the, you know, the last 20 years of college basketball for a guy over six foot eight. Yeah. He had the largest assist rate again of anyone other than Ben Simmons. Not that surprising, but it's very good to see it translate early. And so, yeah, very excited to see Scotty Barnes. We're going to get into a break now and we're going to talk about another kind of six foot eight guy that is probably, in my opinion, even a better passer than Scotty Barnes, one of my favorite players in this class, and that is Josh Giddy. Hey guys, so there are just a few things in life that are not that fun to talk about, and one of them can be excessive sweating. You know, when you're in a meeting, you're giving a speech, you're at work, and maybe your shirt is sweating through for no reason. And that's kind of embarrassing, right? So some of you might have dealt with this, uh, and it can happen to anyone really. But thankfully, there is this new brand out. It's called Sweatblock. And because they're one of our sponsors, they actually sent me a few weeks ago a lot of their supplies. Uh, they've been really effective, I think, for me. So simply, the only thing you have to do is apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your day as normal without worrying about sweating. And that's guaranteed. I know that sounds too good to be true, but you just have to use it once or twice a week and it can keep you dry that entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirt based on which one will hide sweat better. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check this out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. All right, so let's get into what we're excited to see with Josh Giddy. During the preseason, he averaged about 13 and a half, seven and five. Pretty similar numbers to what we saw from him in Australia. He's a guy that is a threat to kind of uh, post or at least threaten to post a triple double on any given night. Again, small sample, it's the preseason, only four games. Not that much to read into with the numbers. We don't want to overanalyze those. Um, but Buttermilk, in terms of kind of the film that you saw from the preseason and in terms of um, what you're looking forward to this season from him, what uh, what stands out to you as being intriguing about Josh Giddy? It's it's I, it's this preseason. I just start off with like their strengths, uh, trying to reaffirm whether or not uh, what I thought was their core skill is going to translate or yep. if. If it's not immediately apparent, I hope there's a lot of flashes of it. And with Giddy, that's been not an issue at all with his playmaking. His playmaking has been better than advertised, maybe as good as advertised. Yep. Um, despite his assist numbers looking really good, he also has a lot of missed assists just from just his passes directly turning into free throws or just uh, teammates missing pretty wide open shots. So like his assist numbers don't even quite do him justice. Which um, was the case in Australia too. <laughs> and he still led the NBL in assists per game. So yep. <laughs> Giddy is a special, special guy. Um, I had him top five for a reason. Yep. I had him uh, fifth as well. When you consider his age, the production and the NBL and just his size, I mean, 
there was not much to be too pessimistic about. Um, and as far as just what I was really worried about was just seeing how his scoring would affect his playmaking or vice versa. Um, and so far, he's getting into the rim relatively easier than I thought he'd be. The handle looks cleaner than I thought he would. Um, and it turns out that when you're six nine and get like a little bit of steam going downhill, you can get your way to the rim. Um, and I think that's something that just isn't exaggerated enough with the value of giant primary ball handlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're six nine, it's just a lot easier to get downhill. And when it is, it's a lot more. Uh, you have a lot more angles at your disposal. And when you're a guy like Josh Giddy, who has eyes in the back of his heads, is constantly surveying, constantly just knows where everybody's at. Um, he's super, super dangerous. Um, even more so when he's starting to flack these mid-range pull-ups um, that look quite smooth too. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I think he looks like a top five pick, and I'm very, very, very excited to see what he does in this really also funky Oklahoma City context. Um, playing next to Poku. I mean, this is going to be an awesome league pass team. They're not going to win many games, but uh, they're definitely going to be worth a watch uh, just to see these guys develop. So, uh, yeah. yeah. It's funny to your point because, you know, like Zach Lowe does his league pass rankings. I think he had the Thunder last, but for us that followed the draft, like I have them first. They're one of the teams (laughs) I'm most excited to see. And it's just kind of a funny juxtaposition there. But I want to hit on one point you said in terms of finishing at the rim, Again, tiny sample, but 68% at the rim in the preseason, that's really good. That's a number I am going to keep my eye on this season because you'll often see rookie you know, guards or perimeter players struggle to finish at the rim their first season in the NBA. But as I've kind of studied guys that do tend to make jumps in their second or third season, that, that percentage at the rim tends to be a good indicator that they are kind of making that jump. So how well can he do finishing at the rim? as a rookie will be pretty interesting. But then, yeah, just the aspect of him playing for the Thunder. And so the question that I wrote down for Josh Giddy is this. I wrote, so where does he end up ranking on this team in usage? Because, you know, having watched most of the preseason games, you know, I thought he would have been pretty high, but I lo- I actually went in and looked. He ranked 12th on the Thunder in usage. Again, it's preseason, they're playing everyone. But that's just kind of the nature of the Thunder rosters. It's just, it's kind of just an audition for what the team's really going to look like outside of SGA a few years from now. Um, so, how much usage does he get? You know, what lineups is he playing in? Does he act as a primary ball handler for the Thunder this coming season? So, so Buttermilk, if you had to guess, obviously SGA is going to be the guy running the show mainly. Uh, do you think we'll see him kind of uh, play a I think he starts, right? Uh, yes. Do you think he uh, is going to rank towards the top of the team in usage? Do you see him maybe as a, a guy with the second unit that runs it? Or do you like to see him playing off of SGA with that first unit? All of the above. <laughs> uh, I would like the to... benefit of Giddy, right? Exactly. He's just a really smart guy. I think he's capable of playing off ball, even despite, like I said, like with Scotty, there's more than one ways of more than just shooting um, to like impact the game off ball. I think Josh Giddy can do that as just like a secondary, just a uh, hockey assist machine. Um, yeah. I think his playmaking is good enough to where I don't know how the coaching staff is going to not give him more than 20% usage at some point throughout the year that that threshold's good. I think going to be passed. Um, and I don't know, Giddy's just a guy that I think is just a 
going to impact the game overall. And uh, he's going to be a triple double machine. Is what I mean by this. I think um, since I've been following the draft, it's been fun to see this trend of guys uh, shatter the youngest triple double in NBA history with Lonzo, Markel. I thought Luca was going to do it. Um, most recently, Lamelo did it this last year. I think Giddy has a very real chance of um, claiming that record for himself this year. Honestly, because he's just. I forget people forget that he just turned 19 as well. Yep. Um, so as far as just asking questions about um, his development, like physicality wise, I'm not really worried about that myself because I think it's just, he's a 19 year old kid. He's going to, he's going to get stronger in bulk here. Um, my question I had for you is what did you make of the defense? Cause I think for me, I'm going to keep harping on the bang on this drum. Cause this is a drum that I just don't think gets enough credit. Uh, when you're six nine, playing defense is not as hard as it would be if you were six four and frail. Um, I think the man to man defense was definitely a work in progress in the NBL, um, which was especially noticeable when multiple players were like in any given action. Uh, Giddy's prone to overreacting on doubles. He's spaces out after some ball movement, and he's liable to die on screens because of his frail um, frame. But I mean, at his size, he's got plenty of leeway, um, especially if it was on physical games. Um, I like what I saw from him as far as reaction time and his footwork. Um, at last, as long as he isn't asked to be guarding too much to the point of attack, which he shouldn't on OKC with guys like Lou Dor on the roster, uh, I think he's a pretty good help defender just because that playmaking to me, uh, more often than not, just that idea of positioning, knowing where guys are on the court, that stuff trans- translates to team defense. And at 6'9", if you know, just if you have just a half second, just that edge of awareness, um, that can play a lot of returns on a possession by possession basis. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I look at it through kind of the lens of LaMelo from last year, where you watched his tape before the NBA, the defense was mostly pretty underwhelming, just similar to Giddy. didn't play with a ton of physicality. Didn't get through screens. Um, you know, there's a lot that you could mention in terms of negatives from him defensively, but then you watch him in the NBA. And like you said, if a guy is a very high IQ player offensively, look, that just travels. That that carries over to team defense on the other side. To me, LaMelo still struggled as an on-ball point of attack defender. But it, when you're 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and Giddy isn't quite the level of athlete as LaMelo, but still, mm-hmm. that size, that IQ level, and then he has good hands and good timing when he's locked in too. There were a lot of plays when I'd watch in Australia and, you know, Maybe he'd get screened and get out of the play, but he just has that IQ of knowing how to get back in the play and has great hands and timing. And he'd kind of rip guys as they were going up for layups. Uh, you know, kind of one line I like to use with Giddy is he, he's kind of an awkward player and it seems like yes. guys, guys can't really time him, but he can time everybody else. He just kind of has that natural basketball instinct. And so with the size, with the IQ, he, he I think... He's going to be a solid, if not above average, team defender. Again, not necessarily from his rookie season, but yeah. looking a few like, years in the future. I, yeah, I'm a weird, he's a weird player that just, I don't know. I, I think that translates to offense as well. I think uh, my friend Bryce Hendrick said it best that this he creates space um, by looking like he can't dribble. And <laughs> yeah. he really does sometimes. Sometimes he, he does these weird dribble moves that shouldn't really work, but somehow he's able to create space and i think it's just i don't know it's just i love weirdos like that so yeah i'm, I'm very excited to see giddy i think he's gonna be one of the best playmakers in the league right off the bat so um 
just yeah i love to see passing as well so and real quick to finish on giddy i'm going to give you a question if you had to predict over the next like let's say two years what would you guess which aspect of his game offensively would you guess uh, you know takes the the next step would you say maybe it's some type of jump shot off the dribble maybe it's his finishing maybe that playmaking really gets to an elite level um you know where do you see him kind of taking a next step in terms of uh, a certain aspect of his game offensively i think for him an important part for just his potential as a primary ball handler is uh developing that mid-range pull-up on-ball game um i mean for most of these guys that are operating in that area as far as pick and roll um just like chris paul is the go-to answer but like that area of the court is super important in order to i I don't know get you to the rim all the way uh force guys to respect you on the perimeter and to enable that playmaking um i think i think the finishing i think is just going to be a matter of his physicality catching up with the size and just him just getting better at timing and just the little, little nuances. I think there's enough to that for that to be somewhat of a given. Um, the mid range pull-up stuff is really hard to develop, harder to project. And for that reason, yeah. I think that's the, the, the swing skill, if I'm going to label anything as that. So, yeah, but we, yeah, to your point, it is a swing skill. It's hard to predict, but we have seen some flashes. Like he had that one yes. that was going around Twitter where he did like the reverse between the legs spin into the like mid range fadeaway. And that was like like, an awkward shot that shouldn't really work, but it does. (laughs) It does. And it was like, it was one of those wow moments. And going back to, you know, what do we look for in the preseason and summer league with these guys? Uh, One of those things is like, do some of them show these wow moments where it's like, yeah, like there is, there is a next level these guys can get to. And so I'm excited to see if that develops, because I agree that that is a swing skill in terms of his on-ball development um yep josh giddy another guy i'm very excited to see in the final segment here coming up next we're gonna get into trey murphy uh looks like we're talking about all of these six eight six nine wings here yeah maybe. maybe not maybe, <laughs> maybe not um so yeah let's get into trey murphy coming up after this break built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever Uh, I've talked about this before. If you've listened to our show, I'm not a guy that liked protein bars before, but there are a couple things that I really like about Built Bar. For me first, it's just the taste and the variety of different flavors that you can choose from, whether you like coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, just tons to choose from. But on top of that, they're also very healthy, 17 to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar and net carbs and calories range from 130 to 180. So again, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Uh, You can order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Pretty cool, right? So go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning back to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. Uh, so as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. 
Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, open now at BetOnline. So be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo and make a bet on the on Thursday, September 9th, season opener be- between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if even if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Uh, so from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait and go take advantage of the great offers available for this upcoming season. That is Bet Online, your online favorite sportsbook. All right, so Trey Murphy, I'm going to start with a, a little trivia question for you here. Uh, don't expect you to guess this, but I went through and added just his total three-point shots through summer league and through preseason. If you had to guess, what percentage do you think Trey Murphy is shooting from three, again, through summer league and preseason, uh, what would you hazard as a guess? I'm, man, the point per possession numbers are stupid that I'm looking at. <laughs> I don't see the percentages, but uh, if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure he's shooting above 50% from three. Um, so I'm going to just go 51. Yeah, so it, he was 28 of 57, so 49%. Oh. But you're you're probably right because like at least one or two of those is probably a heave, right? So yeah. right on the money. So, I mean, that's the number one thing with him. He has just shot the lights out to, so far. And so, you know, let's get into right into one of the questions I have with him is, you know, the Pelicans are looking for a guy that can space the floor and be a versatile defender. Do you think he is ready as a rookie to step in and provide at least some of that to fill some of that hole? Uh, would you feel comfortable saying that Trey Murphy can do that as a rookie? Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. Add me to the ever-growing camp of people demanding <laughs> that the rookie starts sooner than later, rather than yep. later, because um, for just the reasons you said, he provides two of the things they're looking for the most, and I think he does this at a at least an NBA rotational level off day one, just from the film that we're watching, just from how well it's translated in this small sample size. I, I'm feeling as far as the confidence interval goes that I was talking about earlier, I have not been as confident as I am with Trimmer Free as I am right now. And um, yeah. yeah, very confident saying that he's a two-way sniper that can start on a playoff fringe eighth round kind of team that the New Orleans Pelicans are. So um, yes, 100% yes. <laughs> Yep. And where did you have him on your board? Because to me, since the draft, he is probably the guy that I'd move up my board, you know, from the time of the draft till now. I want to say I had him around 20, maybe in a range from like 18 to 22 or so. I'd move him up from that. We are twins. Um, I had considered myself a Trey Murphy truther for most of last draft cycle. I had him in my top 20 ish, 18 to 22 range myself um, since like February. Yeah. And at that time, um, he was being like mocked at, but like as a mid second rounder, despite being a six nine wing who had 50, 40, 90 splits. Um, yeah. So I remember being like, this is clearly uh, some people are misvaluing what this kind of package is just on paper. Um, and I think uh, it's been kids worth remembering before hindsight bias washes away that like his draft stock dramatically rose between quote unquote March Madness and draft night. Yeah. Um, like, like I said, he was like a top 45 ish guy, maybe in February. And suddenly by draft night, he's a lock for top 20 getting lottery buzz. Um, I ended up with him at number 22 
And I, so I no longer feel like I was very high on him. Um, and day by day, it feels like I might be too low on him as far as just retrospectively. Um, but yeah, so that's where I was. 22, but I'm very much thinking he's making a case as a lottery guy. Um, and the fun thing with this class, I'd be like, the more I think about it, I can I can name 20 guys that are making a case <laughs> for top 10. So I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I did my all rookie predictions, I gave him the final spot there. And, you know, I could have had him maybe a few spots higher, but I, you know, and when you look at all rookie awards, they're, they're looking at numbers, right? It's guys that put up points, rebounds. Yes. So I, I don't know exactly how many points and rebounds he's going to play, but in terms of a rookie that impacts a team for one, you know, in terms of wins as a rookie, uh, I think he's going to be very valuable. And so, you know, what I was looking at with the Pelicans is last season, they ranked 23rd per cleaning the glass in terms of defense. If they want to kind of get up into the top eight, you know, maybe into the top six of the Western Conference, that is going to need to go up. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, they've got their stars in place with BI, with Zion, uh, even Valanchunas now, but it seems yep. almost like in terms of bolstering and, and improving that defense, they're kind of weirdly l- relying on young guys like Najee Marshall, maybe even there have been reviews. Yep, reviews <laughs> about Herb Jones coming out of camp, uh, and then Trey Murphy. So, uh, can those guys really make that much of a difference as as rookies? Do you think uh, it's kind of weird? We haven't seen this before, and rookies generally just aren't positives, especially on the defensive side of the yeah. ball. All those guys did play multiple years in college, and yeah, I liked all of them and I'm very excited to see Najee Marshall very excited to hear these rave reviews for Herb Jones. I'm a bit dubious whether the rookies are able to do that on year one um, or for Najee Marshall, just like this early on. Um, I think for the Pelicans, they're going to be relying on balance. Like they're just their front court balance units and Zion to take some steps as far as just having a defensive baseline that, that doesn't necessitate so much reliance on rookie wings. Um, so that's where I'd be on that. Um, I think Zion's defensive upside is something that is something that I'm closely evaluating because as far as when he was coming out of Duke, I mean, the perception we had of him as a as a defensive impact monster was just completely different than we have now. Um, and I think there is some space, there's definitely room for improvement for him on that end. So um, for me, yeah, it with all things New Orleans, it all starts and ends with Zion, so. Yep. So I think we would both start him. I'll be interested to see, I'd guess, just because he's a rookie that he probably doesn't start from day one. Again, I would like I tweeted why delay the inevitable. He's clearly a piece of their core moving forward and he fits what they need. So get him the reps now and get him up to speed. Um, Anything else on Trey Murphy? I know there's a couple guys you wanted to do some quick hitters on also before we finish. Uh, before we move on off of uh, Trey Murphy, I'd like to ask you on how you, what you came away with as far as the on-ball flashes, as far as the pull-up game. Because, I mean, I saw a lot more of off-dribble stuff uh, with just this small New Orleans sample than I would expect this early. Um, he's another one of the guys that's just barely above 21 years old, um, barely older than James Booknight, uh, like I, only a year older than Shreve Cooper, for example, despite being a three-year college player. Um, and so these off the dribble, like just flashes are pretty, uh, pretty enticing um, considering he only took 11 off the dribble numbers at Virginia. Um, 
so yeah, for me, seeing him look as comfortable he does getting downhill and looking to finish the rim or taking a one or two triple pull up within the arc uh, when the rim dis- rim, rim, when the rim gets closed off, um, to me, is very encouraging when it comes to projecting his higher end outcomes. Um, like, uh, shout out to our guy, Shuck, uh, who had him, I think, sixth or seven on, on, on his, or fifth or sixth on his big board. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks less crazy day by day <laughs> the more yeah. I've watched Trey Murphy this preseason. So, um, yeah, what do you think about the off-the-dribble game? And whether there is might be some Macau Bridges interesting star wing upside, maybe some sleeper. Yeah, the, the flashes are interesting to see. Like you said, that wasn't in his game at Virginia. I mean, just not a part of the offense, really. Uh, but I was at, you know, the summer league games right off the bat. I, I want to say it was the Bulls game, like the first game of the preseason. When yeah, the he took couple, Simonovich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah and, and he took some of those pull-ups. Um, you know, the reason we didn't expect it is because, you know, his form on the jumper is a bit funky that, you know, it, it just doesn't look necessarily like yeah. a jumper that would lend itself to off the bounce. And no, I wouldn't categorize him yet with like a Macal Bridges, who I definitely think as soon as this season, we're going to see him hitting jumpers off the bounce. But, you know, like I was higher, for example, on Macal Bridges in on Devin Vassell. But Mm -hmm. even with those guys that they're just not given a ton of usage early on. And so it it does take them a few years to get into that kind of pull-up game, that self-creation, that one-two dribble pull-up. So is there a chance that he does it in the future? Yes, I would say so. No, I I don't really expect to see it this year, though that is certainly a good tool to have in terms of having a tool in your belt uh, attacking closeouts. I don't think he's that level of a prospect in terms of pull-up shooter. Again, it's like a Bridges or Vassell. Can he get there? I'm still very up in the air on that, but I wouldn't expect it uh, year one. And that was the reason I had him 22 as well, because I I was dubious about the shot versatility. I I wasn't sure whether he was just going to be a catch-and-shoot guy with a little bit of range, but not too much versatility as far as the pull-up goes, as far as as just an off-the-dribble, off-the-movement shooter. Um, But so far, I've been... been pretty uh optimistic as far as from what i've seen um and i think a b- missing part of the puzzle here that needs to be mentioned with trey murphy at all, at all times is that this guy shot up five inches during his college career from the age of 18 to 21 this guy gained f- over 40 pounds within the, that three-year stretch um so your impressions of his movement uh, we're looking at a guy who's still like going through that, that universal experience of awkwardly getting used to your new bigger body i remember when i was 14 i just like not being able to jump over fences or get over fences without like staring at my legs and you know just being and yeah. I just think for me when I see um Trey Murphy try to apply what I see as what I evaluate what I evaluate as technically sound dribbling and try and turn that into shake and separation I think a big part of that is just him um just continuing to develop proprioception this sense of just knowing where your body's at knowing how to transition from one type of movement to another and I think there's some low-key on-ball upside that I I'm, I'm, I might be with Shuck on this one. <laughs> he might be a top 10 guy eventually. Yeah. Uh, not there all the way, but I mean, as far as just things to take note of, I think his physical development is a, a bigger one than is for the average 21-year-old. So Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. we do often forget how young these guys are and, and just how how much people's bodies can change from the time they're 18 to, to 23. It's happened with, 
me and a lot of my friends. And so that's just something, you know, we focus on the basketball. Sometimes we do forget about that. And to your point, especially when they're going through a huge growth spurt like that, it takes time to grow grow into your body. Exactly. Um, So I think we have time for one quick hitter. So uh, who would you like to choose to to hit on quickly that kind of stood out to you maybe in preseason? I've just I haven't watched a ton of him, but from what I've seen, I have regrets. Uh, I had him in my top twenty. Um, suddenly, that feels like I'm too low on him too. Uh, Jared Butler uh, of the Utah Jazz, um, I think, is a guy that's going to make a perfect Mike Conley replacement eventually. Adds such a dynamic just boost to this backcourt that needs more than just Donovan Mitchell and uh, reliance on an aging a Mike Conley. Like uh, he just to me. Looks a part of a very dynamic guard who is going to be in the league for 10 years, um, as long as the health stuff isn't a factor, uh, God forbid. Um, the only reason I had him at 20 on my big board is because of that. Um, I yeah. loved his shooting upside. I loved his fit with the bigger uh, initiator just in a league that has more and more of them by the day. Um, I, yeah, I just love Jared Butler. And I just wanted to give him a shout out because... Yeah. Just yeah, he's a guy that you can't help but root for. So yeah, I think I tweeted during the draft that there is very rarely ever a guy drafted in the second round that I'm comfortable saying can come in and play a role for like one of the best teams in the NBA from day yes. one. Jared Butler is that. He's ready to play. I think he can be their backup point guard for sure. You know, play 16 minutes. He can even play in the playoffs. You know, people that might not have followed him as much in college, like Yes, you see the offense first, but he was a very good defensive guard yes, at Baylor as well. So one of the best uh, handles in the class, one of the best handle. shooters in the class, and just yeah, just a really smart, just experienced guy. And again, yeah. he's a guy who wasn't even 21 at the time of the draft, despite being the best player as a junior on the NCAA champion. Um that kind of player has more upside than you, can, than you might give him credit for. Um yep. just given the resume. So yeah, I think the Jazz um, made up for the prior year's draft where I thought it was kind of insane they took Azubuki where they did. Getting Butler in the second round last year was amazing. As a transition, the NBA season starts tomorrow. I picked the Jazz to finish first in the West. Can't wait for the NBA to start. Um, so this has been a fun preview. Excited to see these rookies. Buttermilk, thank you for joining the show. Before we finish, uh, do you want to tell the listeners where they can find you on social media? Uh, just as usual, I am just on just on draft Twitter. Uh, so you can follow me there at Cozy Lito. That's C-O-Z-Y-L-I-T-O. Um, just, yeah, give me a follow. All right. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft your first listen every day. We are a free and available on all platforms. Now, make your second listen of the day the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by Josh Lloyd, and it is the number one daily fantasy basketball podcast show on the planet. It is also free and available on all platforms.